Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner on a lovely Friday before the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Both of us heading out to Indy next week. Pretty pumped for that. Yes, beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, Indianapolis is an there. underrated city, in my opinion. I really do like Indianapolis. Yeah, I, like the cool thing is you can like they have a bunch of oh, updoor upstairs walkways or upstairs walkways. Over there. I like updoor L- walkways, like lifted too. walkways where it's indoors, and so you can basically traverse the city through these walkways and not have to deal with, you know, zero degree weather, which it's going to be like 20s when we're there. So not look forward to that, but uh, it's always a good time. You see a lot of, a lot of NFL coaches, a lot of NFL GMs blacked out drunk. Yep. Uh, and that's always fun. That's you though. I mean, you're also in oh, that yeah. same boat. You don't well. remember it either, but, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, in addition to that, make sure you're following along to two foreign drafts. We're going to probably record three or four podcasts. Got a lot of interview, a lot of good interviews lined up. I know Tristan Worfs wants to talk to us. Maybe Curtis Weaver, mm, we Ashton Davis. We're, we're, we're definitely looking forward to next week. A lot of media members as well. Should be a very fun week for two foreign drafts. But for today, we're continuing our kind of our positional class overview series. And we're on the offensive line. We're going to break it up by offensive tackle and interior offensive line. All, all of these prospects will be in PFF's 2020 NFL Draft Guide available to Edge and Elite subscribers. That comes out on Monday. Mike Renner has been slaving away to get this thing done. It's not been easy, but when this thing comes out, 750 pages, over 750 pages of information, including all of these offensive linemen we're going to bring up. Let's go ahead and speed through the top five offensive tackles in this draft class. Go ahead and t- take me through it, Mike. Yeah, Andrew Thomas, we've talked about ad nauseum. Great grading profile. He is OT1 for us. I don't foresee that changing because uh, I think he'll do well at the combine. But obviously, we believe in the power of testing data, too. You know, like the, our guys, Eric Eager, George Hurry, our great analytics team, has shown that, hey, athleticism matters. I mm-hmm. mean, that's breaking news. Everyone fucking knew that for a while. Athleticism does matter, but like those testing numbers will actually change their projections for a lot of positions. Offensive line, not super, super necessary compared to like edge cornerback. Athleticism really matters there, will really change the projections, but it certainly does matter to some degree. You just, you can't be, if you're below average athlete if you don't have good athleticism you just have much more of an uphill climb to become a elite or you know uh you know a a pro bowl type player in the nfl Mm -hmm. i i would agree with you and i think looking at this top five andrew thomas at number one the georgia offensive tackle jedrick wills jr of alabama at number two tristan worse of iowa at number three josh jones the houston offensive tackle at four and then makai becton at five i want to stop at makai becton and talk about him a little bit specifically his production i know this guy's big he's gonna weigh in like what over 350 pounds over 360 pounds at six foot seven but looking specifically at his pass uh, pass blocking production his career high grade this past year is 79.2 PFF pass blocking grade, but he was largely protected by a quick passing offense, a ton of play action, a ton of screens. And on these true pass blocking snaps, when you're removing screens and play action, he did not grade well. And he doesn't have a ton of experience in these true pass blocking reps. And I think that's a concern for me with Mekhi Becton. I know he's huge. I also know he's young. He does. He's not even 21 years old yet. This monster of a man. But again, mm-hmm. traits, traits, traits. But the production is lacking for Mekhi Becton. Yeah, we want both. Ideally, you want the athleticism, but you also want the guy to grade out really well in college. So Becton has the traits young, only coming out of his junior year. But like you said, the actual pass protection prowess was not there. And he had, you know, like 100 fewer true pass sets this past year 
than a guy like Jedrick Wills Jr. did. And you just feel more comfortable with the guy who's gotten tested more and who's done better and when tested. And so that's why we love Jedrick Wills Jr., which look out for him at the combine next week. Oh, man. All-time performance. I'm predicting it right now. Right up there with Lane Johnson and Tron Armstead. I actually put an article on the website this past week that had the best performances we've seen in the past decade at the combine. Armstead and Lane Johnson are right up there. I might see Jedrick Wills jumping onto that list. Actually, no, because it was for the last decade. He might jump onto the all-time list, though, with his performance this week. And I think Tristan Wirfs is number three as well. A lot of it is because the dude's a freak athlete in his own right. Like Those two are pretty legit uh, explosive offensive tackles. Yeah, Jedrick Wills Jr., the Alabama offensive tackle, number two on PFF's offensive tackle rankings, the latest offensive tackle rankings, and Tristan Wirfs, who comes in at number three, the Iowa product. Both of those guys are going to test very, very well. People are going to be impressed with their athleticism but with Tristan Wirfs there's a big measurement coming up and it's his arm length because mm-hmm. I think if he does fall under that 33 inch mark that a lot of GMs and talent evaluators look at as like the benchmark to play off to tackle in the NFL if he runs it at 32 even if it's high 32 seven eighth inches there are going to be teams that want to kick him into guard at the next level dumb dumb teams no, oh no I mean, like no it's like I'm of the opinion that just with the value difference between guards and tackles because the the value being the replacement one guards just allow a lot get a lot fewer one-on-one opportunities than you do a tackle two there's a lot like the bottom end of the tackle position in the NFL is so much worse than the bottom end of the guard position in the NFL you can find replacement level players that can do an adequate job at guard you cannot find those nearly as well at tackle so give him a shot at tackle first if it doesn't work out there then kick him into guard but like I mean the Patriots drafted a six foot two offensive tackle in the first round and are giving him a shot at tackle you can give a six foot four guy with thirty two inch arms a shot at tackle. Like, yeah, I mean, you, we said the same thing that. about Jonah Williams of Alabama when he didn't hit that thirty three inch mark. We were still talking about him as the best offensive tackle in the twenty nineteen class because he had the production. He was athletic enough to move at offensive yeah. tackle. I think when he gets healthy for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think he's a bounce back candidate in twenty twenty for let, sure. Let me just get through these true pass set numbers for these top five guys. Go ahead. I think it's these top five, and then. And then there's kind of a gap. Uh, like, I think I feel good about these top five, or maybe the top four, and then Mekhi Beckton has these question marks. And then there's a real gap between if you need another tackle in this class, you might be, uh, it might not be great. You might not be getting the guy you want to make an impact right away. But these four, these five guys, Tristan Wirfs had 196 true pass sets this last year. Andrew Thomas, 188. Jedrick Wills, 120. Josh Jones, 113. And then Mekhi Beckton, 73. And Josh Jones got hurt. And so he didn't even like play second half of the year. And then the pressures allowed. Worst five, Thomas seven, Will seven, Josh Jones two, and then McKay back to eight. So the fewest true pass sets, the most pressures a lot of those guys, that's just worrisome. All those other guys graded in like the 80s in their pass blocking sets on the true pass sets. Mackay Beckton all the way down 64.7. So, I mean, that's a concern we bring up with him. I mean, that's a concern we bring up with Mackay Beckton every time is that, yes, he's got all these tools and these traits and the size, but when you actually look at production, he has not reached the heights that you want to see from a first round or not, maybe not not from a top 16 pick in the 2020 draft. And this is a, obviously, it's a skilled position. This is different than, say, cornerback, where it's like you can. You can kind of work with a guy. Uh, all he needs to do is have the movement skills, and then you can like just stick with someone, and then you can work you know a few other things into it. No, you got There's a lot of moving parts that go through a pass set. A lot of technique, and it's a lot of coordination. You know, and some guys 
may never get there. And that's the risk you're running if you're drafting Mekhi Becton highly. All right, let's jump to Lucas Niang, who comes yep. just outside of the top five on PFF's latest offensive tackle rankings. Did not play after week nine this past season. Injury for that, but 79.5 overall grade on the year as 84.8 PFF pass blocking grade. I know this. George Chahuri and Eric Eager, the numbers they have on Lucas Niang are good. He's graded very well as a pass protector over a large sample size of snaps. He's played over a thousand pass blocking snaps in his collegiate career, earned 80 plus overall pass blocking grades these past two years. You're impressed with what he does in pass protection, maybe a, f- a ceiling from a standpoint as a run blocker, but where are you with Lucas Niang? Yeah, so Lucas Niang is interesting because his pass sets are just garbage. Someone, someone described it well on Twitter. I think it might have been John Leonard. He said he looks like an octopus out of water. Mm. Like he, he, His arm length is not going to come in under 33. This dude has... Uh, probably over 35 inch arms but he is like kicking out and is like sitting way back in his stance it looks nothing like any off tackle you see in the nfl and that's kind of like the the, the telltale that's got to get fixed if, if you're doing something super crazy at the college level chances are and, and like it doesn't look like anything in the nfl it's because it's probably not it's probably not good that's your that's your easy scouting tip right there uh, <laughs> so lucas Niang past sets need to be reworked but like his length and anchor for his size both very good like he only allowed two Two pressures this past year on his true pass blocking set, 61 of those. So so not bad there. Uh, Playing in the Big 12, not great competition. And does have a ton of, like you said, pass blocking sets under his under his belt with his career there at TCU. But again, he's a project at this point. That's a day two, late day two kind of project. I think another project that had the eyes of Bill Belichick at the Senior Bowl and, and had some good reps there as well is Matt Pert, the UConn off to tackle, currently listed at six foot seven, three hundred one pounds, earned a ninety point overall grade this past year, a career high for him. He didn't earn above a seventy six point overall grade in the three years prior at UConn. He also earned an eighty six point PFF pass pass blocking grade and a 90.1 run blocking grade. I think Bill Belichick's on the right guy. If you're looking at a guy that's getting better every year. Yeah, he's smooth. And the reason he's gotten better every year is because he started off his career at UConn is just so slight, like no, no muscle to his frame. And he's gotten, he's gotten stronger every single year, but he's still not quite there. Like he went to the, he went to the senior bowl and he got bull rushed by uh, Josh Uchi, Josh Uchi, 241 pounder there. That's not like, that's not the guy. That's not what you want to see. So if you're getting bull rushed by Josh Uchi, chances are, you go up against Devon Miller. You go up against Miles Gary. You go up against a real bull rusher at the next level, and things will go south quickly. So his play strength still needs to improve, but like we've mentioned before, offensive tackle, guys improving every single year of his career, that's what you want to see. You don't want to see the guys who are stagnating. Don't want to see the guys who are not improving. We'll probably get to some of those on this list, the guys who really haven't taken that next step. That's not what you want to see. Pert has definitely been improving. Yeah. All right. Let's jump away from Pearl. Let's go to Ben Barch, another guy that looked very good at the Senior Bowl, in my opinion. St. John's product. Before I dive into the players specifically, the St. John's mascot are the Johnnies. They're the St. John's Johnnies. Yeah, I don't like that. A limb there. I like, kind of hate the most that. creative. Jeez, call yourself like. There. I mean, stick to what like Huskies is always a classic. Like you can go anywhere, and you went Johnnies. I, I, I have. He's, he's going down my board for that reason. No, like, but you go to Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame Dame. So it'd just be like <laughs> Notre Dame Damies. What's up? <laughs> uh, anyway, Ben Barch at the Senior Bowl looked apart. Yeah. Looked like he belonged among Power Five yeah, competition. Very impressed with his reps against the Florida guys, Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga. Maybe he kicks into guard at the yeah. next level but strong i think he had some uh, some ox like strength and maybe he could play tackle i think he could like i think he could legitimately play tackle you worry about uh the fact that you just again like he looks really good in his reps at the senior bowl 
it's 12 it's 12 plays throughout the week yeah like it's, and like he looked good in the practices but like it's still such a limited but for a small school and product then, though you need to see that you know, need yeah, to see you those, to those see 12 that. reps were probably the most important 12 reps he's taken in the last five years yeah the stress like that level that he had compared to some of these other guys I mean it's playing like bigger competition like Logan Stenberg is playing in the SEC you're not going to be seeing anything you haven't seen over the yeah. last four years for him it's like dude this was, you know, different guys than he's ever seen before in his life. I'll tell you right now, Mike, that he has to win on them. And he did like he did really well on those reps. His fellow Johnnies good. are looking for jobs outside of football right now. They OK, brought, I'm just letting you know that. So I, I think the guys he went against, the guys he played with didn't come anywhere close to 12 reps that mattered as much as his 12 reps at the senior bowl. And I think he dominated them. Yeah, he really did. And this thing, it's like, but it's still only 12 reps. So you can't get super high in them. But if I'm looking at the tackles outside this top five, like I said, the top five is kind of the cream of the crop. And then after that. And you tell me I get to choose one that I think can develop into, you know, a Pro Bowl level tackle. I would put my money on Bart just because like he had that play strength. He had that physicality mm-hmm. to him to play tackle at the NFL level. Uh, but again, you just you go and watch his tape, you flip on the St. John's tape and you're just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to glean shit from this. This doesn't even like like, yes, he's athletic enough to play in the NFL. Yes, he is powerful enough. I, and then, like, I don't need to see him ragdoll basically me playing defensive exactly. end Exactly. Right That's I, You pop on the Johnny's tape. That's, I mean, you're I, not going to— My boy, uh, who's the O-line coach of Whitewater, is going to kill me for that. But, yeah. Owen Reese. Right. Yeah, Owen Reese. <laughs> <laughs> um, Austin Jackson. Let's jump to Austin Jackson, the USC offensive tackle currently listed. six foot six, three 310 pounds. He's almost 24 years old. Turns, he'll be 24 before— Austin the, Jackson? Yeah. That's, talking about the wrong guy here. Austin I, Jackson. According to PFF up. Premium Stats, he's 23 he's, years he's old. He's 20 years old, this guy. Really? So, yes. we, I got bad data. We got bad data here. Okay. He's 100%. He's a true junior coming out. This guy is young. Oh, yeah. maybe. I thought maybe he skipped a couple grades or didn't skip a couple grades. <laughs> held back elementary school. But wrong here. bad data here. I apologize for that. But looking at his grading profile, this is a guy I can't really get on board with in the first round. I see him sometimes at the back end of the first round. I do not see that. Just a 73.9 overall grade in 2019. Not something you're super impressed with from a career year standpoint. Yeah. Graded well as a pass protector, but nothing high end. I, again, Austin Jackson is a fringe first rounder. I'm not buying it. He's soft. Like if you're, he has the athleticism to play tackle at the NFL, and that's again at the tackle position. There's there's certain traits that just basically you almost need to have agility, length. Those are those are kind of like you need both of those things, uh, agility, length, and then like play strength. You need those three things, or else you're not holding up a tackle in the NFL. He doesn't have quite have, he has the agility, he has the length, does not quite have the play strength yet. And if yeah, he's young, he could develop into that. But I'm not going to put my first round pick on a guy who's real soft got you know his got the floor wipe with him by bradley and a uh utah defender who did very good but like that's that's kind of sort of the floor you're going to be seeing in the nfl next year like it, it just might be ugly early on for austin jackson he's a guy who three four years down the line you have to bank on that's when he'd be finally making an impact i'm gonna apologize again for saying he's almost 24 years old i don't know where why that date is wrong i'm definitely gonna bring that up to it but i will say this he graduated high school in 2016 if he was actually 20 24 years old, there'd be some legitimate problems yeah. with this prospect. Uh, jumping to Jack Driscoll uh, of Auburn, the, the Auburn offensive tackle, listed right now at six foot five, 296 pounds, unless that's bad data, too. A UMass, <laughs> no, he's slight. This guy is yeah. slightly built. A UMass transfer, transferred to Auburn in uh, 2018, and, and graded well early on. He did not. There was not a big, steep learning curve for this guy. An 85.8 PFF pass blocking grade in 2018, and an 86.3 pass blocking grade in 2019. I always bring this up, but George and Eric will come to me with guys that like, hey, what do you think of X name? He's, you know, he's showing up well. And what we see is like predictive metrics and things like that. Jack Driscoll is another one of those guys. Yeah, he has been very good in past protection of his career. But like when you come in sub 300, he's sub 297 pounds. He's weighed into shrine game. 
that's tough. Like yeah. that, that you really, you really just, you can't match up with NFL level power at that point. And he's also like a fifth year senior, like a transfer from UMass. He should be, you should be physically a little bit stronger than he is at this point. So if you're still questioning a guy's play strength, you're still questioning it. At, like you can question Austin Jackson's and he has some years left to mm-hmm. develop at his age, at Driscoll's age, you, you don't really have like he, that's just going to be something you have to live with yep. you, most likely at the NFL level. So, uh, but I love his feet and pass protection, man. He went up against Jonathan Greener in that Florida game this past season and handled him. Well, wow. just like Greener did not even come close to the quarterback in that game. He's so good at mirroring guys. Uh, so patient, but yeah, it's, He's going to be probably a day three guy just because of uh, those issues. And that's why he didn't get a senior bowl invite because he doesn't have the body of an NFL tackle. Another guy with a great grading profile is Ezra Cleveland of Boise State. Six foot six, 309 pounds, has earned an 81.0 or higher PFF pass blocking grade all three years of his career with Boise State. And he's played over you know nearly 3,000 offensive snaps. You know, injury, not a huge concern for him right there. I think Ezra Cleveland, I'm, I'm really impressed with what he's done from a grading standpoint, has improved as a run blocker, yes, against mm-hmm. Mountain West competition, but the grading profile is there. Yeah, he got sauced uh, back to 18 <laughs> by... Grading Oklahoma profile's State. great, yeah, by man. Like he a, got sauced. By, by this like, 6'2", 220-pound edge defender for Oklahoma State, whose name is eluding me at the moment. He just got spun in knots. Uh, he's he's kind of in, he's not kind of in the same boat as Driscoll in that they're, they have the mirror ability. Him, so I... She's this gonna they're all they're all like white offense tackles that are like six four and like and like three hundred pounds. But him, uh so Ezra Cleveland, Jack Driscoll, and Colton McKivitz, who we'll get to in a little bit, the West Virginia tackle, are all kind of a similar vein to me where it's like I like their mirror ability, pretty good with their hands, but then just play strength's not there. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty weak. They're all very much very likely to get exposed by some power at the next level. Um of the bunch, I think Cleveland probably is probably strongest, and also I think he's the youngest of that bunch. So we'll see. Uh, uh, but like the level of competition, not super encouraging. Did not face a lot of you know talented edge defenders. Jumping to Isaiah Wilson, the Georgia offensive tackle. What can you tell me about him? Enormous dude. I think he is after Makai Becton. He's the second biggest offensive <laughs> tackle in this draft class. Uh, but man, his and, and he Becton's agility. I mean, it did suffer from being three seventy. He would be more agile if he was three thirty. But it didn't. It's still on NFL level. Isaiah Wilson, man. There's some inside moves where it's just like you. You should be in front of that. Like he's not even like touching guys on spin moves. That sort of thing. He definitely got more exposed uh, than you know his teammate Andrew Thomas on the other side of that line. So he came out early, which really surprised me uh an early declaration like he'll probably still be a day two pick but i'm because he's I massive don't love yeah because he's massive and because like again it comes back to that there's only so many the good lord only made so many guys that big with that length that can play and have the play strength at the nfl level he's one of them so he'll probably get drafted but i i just don't love the agility and the pass sets are just a very much a work in progress. Two Washington offensive tackles to bring up next. Trey Adams, who did get an invite to the combine, has some injury concerns and has gotten sauced by high level competition. And Jared Hilbers mm. did not get an invite sauce. to the combine. Did yeah, not Hilbers, get an invite to the combine. But I do think he's an impressive player in his own right. Yeah, Hilbers has like the power. He's just super heavy footed and a little soft. Or no, he's not soft. But he just like the feet are not quite there. And Trey Adams has the athleticism. Other side of the line, left tackle for. 
you know, Washington this past year has, you know, the size and he moves really well, but he's just not flexible. Like you saw guys get around him to the edge all the time. And it seemed like such a chore for him to chore for him to react to outside moves. Bradley and I killed him on it. Uh, Chase Young, I mean, Chase Young killed everybody, but really killed him on it last year. When it's a chore game. to get to outside moves, though, that's that's hard to project that player get, having yeah, success at the next level. Sink low enough because he's like six eight, like he's almost too tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays too tall for the position. Same, <laughs> and he, like Trey Adams, is just. I think a lot of people are starting to come around and scared. One multiple serious injuries, a neck injury, I believe an ACL injury as well, cost him two seasons, and just he should have been more productive. I like should be a better player by now. Uh, he has a lower you know pass blocking grade on true pass sets than Mackay Beckton. All right, Colton McKivitz, the West Virginia off the tackle. You said you had some reservations on him. Yeah, again, Colton McKivitz is one of those guys in that sort of vein of just like he has the movement skills, uh, but his. One, his pass sets are still kind of rough, and he flip-flop sides at West Virginia, went from right tackle uh, in 2018 while the Yadne Kajuice was at left tackle, now flipped to left tackle, which always like blows my mind that teams do that. It's like, if he's good at right tackle, let him go there. Maybe he wanted to do it for help zone draft stock, but uh, he's still his feet are kind of all over the place in pass protection, he's just a little soft. And mm-hmm. when you're soft as a senior coming out, Owen Reese you mentioned that. You I mean, can. you want to bring up Owen Reese in a positive light. I mean, he ran, he mentioned yeah. like Colton McKibbins. When you are throwing the football as often as West Virginia did, it's hard yeah. to kind of develop that like mentality as yeah. like this tougher. I don't know, like mm-hmm. try, hard not to be soft. Very much so. When you're throwing the football as much as West sets, Virginia did, and he sets really deep, and then when you set deep, you're soft. You're just begging to end up in quarterback slot. Yeah, I mean, we were watching highlights at the Senior Bowl, and like he would set too deep all the time. And I think his, his where his what was it? His landmarks are are off. Are off. Um, oh, want to talk guys who are landmarks off? Let's talk about Alex Taylor. All right, hit me real quick. South Carolina offensive tackle. He's going to have a combine for the ages because in a in a group full of tall men at the Senior Bowl along the offensive line, he was head and shoulders above everyone else, over six eight. I believe he came in at so six eight and a half, three hundred eight pounds. Which when you're six eight and a half, three hundred eight pounds, you look like you play in the NBA. Like, yeah, that's not even big at that point. Uh, so it had eleven inch hands and thirty six and an eighth inch arms, an eighty eight inch wingspan. One of the biggest wingspans I've ever seen uh, at the tackle position. He's built differently, uh, but his landmarks were off. Like he would he would just be riding guys like five yards deep into the pocket around the edge and like think he was fine. And I was like. Five yards deep in the pocket is a quick game. Yeah, yeah, Five yards yeah. where you're taking the shotgun snap at. Mm-hmm. That's like you can't be uh, – he was just very rough. It sounds like with a lot of these guys, though, when you bring up like outside of like maybe your top two, top three guys, their sloppy footwork, technique needs to get reworked. Is that just like a product of being young at the position That's, because it just takes time to get good? Well, I mean, it's. I think it's the whole – you heard about a lot more probably a few years ago. Everyone's like, oh, the offensive line's a problem. Like, coaching in college is a problem, and it is. Like, these guys aren't getting great offensive line coaches. I mean, even in the NFL, you don't get, there's only a handful of really good offensive line coaches. That Tom really, Cable. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like, you get a guy like Tom Cable who, like, aren't refining guys' pass sets. Yeah. Like, Tom Cable's like, I worry about the run game. You pass protections on the quarterback. No, it's like, I think that you, philosophy worked about 15 years and ago. It does. And, and, and that's what, but it's also like, there's only a number of guys who are six foot five. Like again, it comes back to that plant. There's not a lot of guys who are six foot five with athleticism, and then when there are, 
there's even fewer guys with six foot five athleticism and coordination. It's like you're paring it down to this super small subset of, uh, you know, just human beings on earth. And when it's like that, you're going to have guys who just can't figure out, who will never be able to figure out the pass. Like who just like can't get to that level because you know, they're physically incapable. It's like, so that's why we're saying a lot of these guys. And when there is a guy who looks like it and has it and is even close to an NFL caliber, they go in the first round. All right, Hakeem Adeniji, the uh, Kansas offensive tackle, played left tackle for them this past year. He's got an interesting background. i got to bring this one up. Is he was, I think he had a scholarship offer from Army or Navy, one of the military schools, but then had a peanut allergy. Or maybe it was cashews. Hard to say. Mm-hmm. But they didn't let him go to the school because they were like, it was like two weeks or three weeks before he actually had to go. And he's like, oh, man, that sucks. And then I think his former high school coach got a, you know, a personnel position at a Kansas, and he was able to go to Kansas. And he started over 800 snaps. He's played over 800 snaps or close to all four years mm-hmm. at Kansas production isn't great. He hasn't graded super well there, but still interesting background for him. Six foot five, 300 pounds. I think his best, his best position, probably the next level is interior. Yeah. He's going to so, probably play guard at the next level. So there were two guys who went to the senior bowl as tackles and then kicked inside, came out as guards. <laughs> and then, yeah, they very much came out as guards, but like looked like they should be like our quality guards, like could play in the NFL next year as guards, maybe not start next year in the NFL, but like will be drafted Somewhat reasonably high at guards. It was Akima Denje out of Kansas and then Tyra Phillips uh, out of Mississippi State. I believe I think I'm getting, yeah, Mississippi State. Those two guys uh, very much looked m- so much more comfortable on the inside. Like mm-hmm. when they were out in space, you just saw them get so antsy. But then uh, when they could get on a guy right away at the guard position, they didn't have to. Their feet looked much more comfortable. They didn't at least look much more on balance. Phillips, especially, actually, he rose up my board a ton with performance there because his anchor is so strong. Like he was so strong at tackle, but could not mirror, you know, more athletic edge rushers save his life. At guard, I don't think that's going to be near of an issue. So Tyre Phillips, you're looking for those tackle guard converts, the, the vaunted, the ones that, you know, the Marshall Yannis of the world, the Zach Martins of the world, they were tackles in college. Mm-hmm. You want one of those guys, Tyre Phillips could be your man in the mid-rounds. Went to East Mississippi Community College before Mississippi State. He's 23 years old, but I do agree that kicked into guard, he looked a lot better than when he was at tackle at the Senior Bowl. And for you, is are nut allergies a red flag? <laughs> or uh, do we... Does that come up a lot in the scouting? No, I mean, I, I think you're, I think you're good on that, on that front. Unless you're maybe the well, who had the MRSA outbreak. Unless you're the Bucks and you can't oh keep yeah, your, you can't keep your locker room clean. Then, then maybe, but maybe they shouldn't draft him. But everyone else <laughs> think you're good. All right, jumping to Prince Tegamanoho of Auburn, guy who has a ton of athletic ability. I think if he was going to be testing out at the combine, you'd be really impressed with what Prince did. But I, I think um, still not super high on PFF sports. So I, he's ex- straight line powerful and explosive and long mm-hmm. but his agility like he would be a guy who probably runs well mm-hmm. probably like four nine five i'm just like throwing out yeah, yeah. comment a four nine five combine number but then like the three cones over eight and the the shuttles because just he's just awkward out in space like you don't want him playing out in space so he he might be another guy who kicks in a guard i'm not sure that necessarily is helping him too much he doesn't play with great leverage but he has the length and he's really he, so he is a guy who didn't even play offensive line until he got to Auburn was a defensive lineman and, he, and he's like the, his learning curve in terms of how much better he got he got he was as a junior had an elite pass blocking grade and I thought oh wow this guy like to have gotten so good so quick at the position like where is this guy's ceiling at and then he takes a big step backwards this year and again we've talked about you got to keep getting better we want to see you keep getting better he goes up against I believe it's Tulane early on in the season just gets murdered mm-hmm. by uh, the edge defender there who's going to come out I mean he's a guy uh, Patrick 
Is it Patrick? Patrick yeah. for Tulane. Patrick something. Yeah. Patrick Johnson? Something like that. Close. Uh, but Prince was a guy before the season we highlighted. Is like if he takes a step forward because he has this ability, this like kind of raw tools, that's where you start to get excited about him as a prospect. But he really didn't this past year. All right, we got about five names left on the offensive tackle that will be. I don't know if I mentioned this at the top of the podcast, but all of these guys in the offensive line room will be in the 2020 NFL Draft Guide available to Edge and Elite subscribers. Make sure you get that on Monday, February 24th, before the combine kicks off. But walk me through these last five guys at offense to tackle uh yeah quick hitters here charlie heck north carolina is just one of the biggest waste benders in the draft class and when you when you're a hardcore waste bender that's just like an inbuilt sort of you're not it means you're not necessarily flexible enough in your lower half i just don't foresee him being much at tackle in the nfl got exposed to senior bowl sadiq charles lsu left tackle project at this point very athletic he's going to test really well here uh, at the combine but his just all over the map i mean he did not grade out well this year because uh it's just the the technique is just all over the place his feet are all over the place he should not have come out early in my mind he came out early this year uh I, i'm not sure why I probably should have gone back to school terrence Steele, texas tech uh so Terrence Steele, Justin Heron from Wake Forest, he's kind of just guys. Uh, they Justin might, Heron did not look good at the senior bowl. Yeah. They, that was they, a struggle. Neither of them really did. They might not. I mean, they're borderline draftable guys. I'm not sure they even will. And then Blake Brandle, we included in the draft guide, Oregon State offensive tackle, graded out really, really well. The worst athlete I've mentioned on this list, oh, man. unfortunately. And athleticism matters at offensive tackle. We, I threw, mean, we threw him in because of the grading profile into the draft guide. But, yeah, it's another thing we're like just below – him trying to go find a linebacker was uh, stuff. Yeah. Let's let's jump to interior offensive line, starting with the top five. Yes. Natani Muti, our boy, Fresno State. Again, go watch the highlight reel. Even if you I love Natani Muti. I've watched it every, watch I watch it every morning. <laughs> I, so like my process my is like wake clock. up, okay, snooze the alarm three times, Natani Muti highlight tape, and then I go brush my teeth. I come back. I'm like, you might as well I mean, run it'll it back. get you ready to run through a brick wall. Exactly. So that's, exactly. That's, and that, why that's what matters. So you know, I wake up and I want to headbutt things. <laughs> and I think if I'm going to do that, Natani Muti highlight tapes are necessary. Yeah. I mean, you You've headbutted your girlfriend that got you in a little trouble. What do you? Well, <laughs> that's not even funny. <laughs> can we can accidentally? We, can we move forward here to Jonah right. Jackson? Jonah Jackson, Ohio State, the best pass sets of any interior offensive lineman in this class. So good with his hands. He went to the Senior Bowl. Was the best in pass protection of any offensive lineman there. I just I think it's a sure thing in that regard. Builds weird. Uh, not the most physically imposing guard. Builds weird. Can we stop there? This guy looks like he has a mini fridge tucked under his shoulder pads up top and like not thin down low. Well, well, but no, like, it's like a mini fridge on a bar stool. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it's like a yeah, that's a great, great comp there. It's a mini fridge on a bar stool because like his lower frame is just not even close to the same size. He's built like a martini glass yeah. or like a pizza slice, if you will. It's like <laughs> I don't get it. And we were watching him and like, man, every rep was awesome. Uh, but like I could not get around the fact that like he's got like like a mini fridge tucked up front and like a jet pack on the back and he's just like walking uh, i don't I'm know i'm worried it's weird it's weird but again number two interior yeah. offensive lineman on pff sport uh, number three caesar ruiz michigan uh young dude another guy only 20 years old really good in pass protection he's, he's a guy who uh first time i watched him watched like a game uh and you're kind of just like that's fine like that was good then you watch every game you're like oh like he's not really losing yeah right? like it's never like oh my god that was awesome like that was an amazing rep but it's like oh he's never like getting out getting out of bad i mean similar to 
too, and boy. different positions. But Xavier McKinney, I think his tape is similar. And that, yeah. like, oh man, this guy's good all the time. Maybe yeah. he doesn't have that splash play that's gets you really, really pumped up. You're not that's turning good. on his highlight tape before you brush your teeth in the morning like you do Natani Muti. Yeah. But Cesar yeah. Ruiz, the more you watch, the more like, oh man, this guy doesn't lose. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, Tyler Biotish, his grading profile is absurd. Three straight years now, I think it's a top five graded center in college football. Uh, balance concerns, uh, explosive off the ball. I think he's a good enough athlete, but man, he's just he's thrown onto his face too much. And, and mm. I, I prefer guys who don't get thrown onto their face. Same. As he does. Same. Uh, I just think balance is a very, very necessary trait when you get to the NFL. You, the guys, uh, I think I've said this. We've had offensive line before. coaches reach out and say like, hey, could, a tri- uh, could something you guys track how often this guy falls down? Yes. How often yes. this guy goes on the ground? And yeah. I, I, we don't do it now, but I think it is something we need to think about in terms of like, yeah. this is, it is. Well, we a, kind of do. It's like we grade from zero to negative, you know, two. Mm-hmm. If you're getting a lot of minus ones. That's, you're on the ground. You're on the ground. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You're like you're. It's not. A, it's specifically an advanced stat, though, like face yeah, to yeah. turf <laughs> ratio. Like I don't know. Like I think I could add it. We can make moves there. But again, yeah, yeah. And like I said, you you don't see Terrence Smith on the ground. No, you don't see Nick Zach Martin on the ground. All right, on to uh, number five, Calvin Throckmorton, Oregon, four year starter, has played snap at every single position on the Oregon offensive line. Uh, most of his snaps though, came at right tackle. Second most of his snaps came at center. So I think he's probably a center. Could play guard at the next level as well. I want to go back to Tyler Biotish for a second because yeah. I know his background is interesting. I think he showed up to Wisconsin to play defensive former or, defensive lineman. Former defensive lineman walk and on. then, yeah, walk on, but then started like early at yeah, Wisconsin. And then you had offensive, other offensive linemen at Wisconsin saying this is the best offensive lineman we have. Like, like right out of the gate, they were saying this guy is legit. And I don't know if he's already peaked because he did take a little bit of a step back, but Tyler Biotish does have an interesting it's, background. It's funny how that happened because just right before he was there, or maybe that was like the year uh his redshirt year was the same year that uh ryan ramchick was the year before he transferred in from it was like whitewater they're like yo this guy who just transferred in is the best off line we have oh like, he's like nasty but he can't play because he has <laughs> transferred that was like similar to be out a fresh true freshman there uh is redshirting and they're like oh shit this guy's actually like good why mm-hmm. are we still redshirting him but yeah so that uh Biotish, uh, like the grading profile really is good so i trusting that to some degree but there are concerns on tape get to outside the top five one of my favorite guys to watch in this draft class robert hunt from louisiana which louisiana their right guard and their right tackle robert hunt played right tackle right guard we'll get to in a little bit kevin dotson here both can be drafted like louisiana raging cajuns have two draftable guys robert hunt probably gonna go day two this guy is six foot five 330 pounds and uh, is built like cinder block. Yes. Like straight up from top to bottom. There's no, nothing comes out. Mm. It's just a straight down, uh, and 330 pounds hold it, holds it easily. So powerful. It's, he's got fun tape. I wish he would have been healthy or I'm not sure why he dropped out of the senior bowl, but I wish he would have gone and we got to see him there because yeah. he would have been hashtag fun to watch. But yeah, outside the top five, that's one of the guys I'd really want uh, on my squad at the guard position. All right, let's. I think this next this next group of three is an interesting handful of names here. Nick Harris, the Washington Center, a super athletic interior offensive lineman, but undoubtedly a bit undersized. I mean, he's going to struggle against bull rushers. Then you have Damian Lewis, who's kind of a complete opposite from a playstyle standpoint. This guy's built for the phone booth, struggles a bit moving laterally, but you're not going to go through him. Derek Brown, yes. did on a handful of snaps in that game, but I'm not That's chalking not that one up as a loss. Like everyone's saying, Derek. 
Brown completely blew him out of the water. But Damian Lewis had a couple bad reps yeah. there. But like honestly, that was a good matchup. And I think Damian Lewis went toe to toe with the best defensive tackle in this class and won yeah. some reps. And that third guy I want to mention is Logan Stenberg. They call him Mr. Nasty at Kentucky. Talks a lot of trash. Loves to talk trash. I tried to get him to talk trash to me at Senior Bowl. He was the nicest guy in the world. We like talked really, really nice. Me? I was like, dude, can you beat me up a little bit? You know, I don't know. Like pick me up, or I don't know what I said. But Logan Stenberg was so not having it. He was actually very nice. Complimented my attire. I think he said he liked my shoes. It's hard to say, but Mr. Nice to me, Mr. Manasty to the SEC. Yeah. Those three players, I think, are all interesting. And again, I think this interior offensive offensive line class, I think, is more deep than the offensive tackle class. Yeah, I I agree. Stack class top heavy. Interior (laughs) offensive line has legit depth. We go down to about 11, 12 players here where it's like they can. Hell, even Shane Lemieux, like going down the board. We're going to talk about him later. Keith Ishmael, San Diego State, go Aztecs. That's a lot. So uh, Harris, athleticism off charts. Need to test well at the combine because it will be just he needs to prove that he that's his difference maker that's where he will win at the next level one-on-one pass pro against stronger off defensive tackles nose tackles it's gonna get ugly he doesn't have the anchor right now he's 290 pounds but he can make blocks in the screen game and the run game that no one else in this class can that needs to be his calling card so big for him damian lewis just super powerful dude Built low to the earth, squatty guy. Stenberg, kind of the opposite, powerful dude, but at 6'6". He's long. Bigger, a little more length, uh, but not as experienced in pass protection. They just, you know, they stop passing. The Damian Lewis comp to to Gabe Jackson's really good. I really like that comp because Gabe Jackson, similarly, is like best in a phone booth and is hard to bully. But again, moving laterally can be a little bit of a concern for him. And then onto Lloyd. Also with Gabe Jackson, I'm not sure if you know this, but he, Von Miller calls him the worst smelling player in the NFL. I think if Damian Lewis can bring that. The real Mr. Nasty. If Damian Lewis, yeah, the real Mr. Nasty. (laughs) All right, let's jump to Lloyd Cushenberry, the other LSU interior offensive lineman. And he just... He did not play well this last year, like flat out had the most pressures allowed of any center in the country. And he is a powerful guy in his own right. But his lateral agility going side to side was not good. Like he just when guys get on the side of him, he loses. And when when guys get on the side of Jonah Jackson, he's still riding him past the pocket, the Ohio State guard. Like he's still hanging out for dear life. When guys get to the side of Lloyd Cushenberry, he doesn't recover with his feet. Well, doesn't recover with his hands. And he lost a lot of reps this past season. Still, he declared early, like he had another year of eligibility, could have come back. So, again, you kind of kind of got to have that sliding scale of when a guy comes out early, you know that there's a lot of physical development. There's a lot more he can go to, and he played well at the Senior Bowl. So we're still, like, probably late day two, early day three on him. But, and if, but I'm just like, the thing is, if you're drafting him highly, if you're drafting him second round, just got to understand – Next year is probably not. He's probably not going to flip a switch next year and all yeah. of a sudden be great and pass pro. All right, go into this next group here of interior offensive linemen. We're going to run through these pretty quickly. Yes. But Michigan interior offensive lineman Michael Onwenu, he's another one that I think may, he, may, he was like one of our few beer belly segments of the week because he's three hundred fifty pounds. Oh my carries God. it pretty well. Uh, went to the Shrine game and had the highest win rate of any offensive guard in attendance that week. Did very well there. Showed off very well. I thought he. I was really actually kind of surprised he didn't get a Senior Bowl invite. He had to be pretty salty because Ben. Bredesen got the senior bowl in by his teammate, mm-hmm. who we're going to touch on next on this list. I guess we'll just touch on him now, who I don't think is as good as I'm waiting Yeah. I think I'm waiting is a better prospect. But Bredesen has been, uh, you know, been in Michigan for so long. Starting like, more years. <laughs> But he's tall, high cut, and I think he just loses a lot of leverage battles, whereas I'm waiting at 350 pounds, didn't lose a ton of leverage battles there on the Michigan interior offensive line. Both graded out really well in pass pro, but I think on Wayne is more likely to translate. Yeah. Another guy to bring up is the interior offensive lineman from Temple, Matt Hennessy. I mm-hmm. think he had some positive reps at the Senior Bowl that kind of had me impressed. Yeah, he's athletic. Um, 
slightly built guy, kind of like thin frame, not a power player whatsoever, way more of a zone fit at the center position, but he can move, uses his hands really well, just an advanced, uh, technically sound center. I don't think this guy where like the ceiling, if you want to talk about that, it doesn't just like, it doesn't necessarily wow nearly as much. And he's not far from a perfect prospect. He gets out on his toes a lot uh, because he is trying to make up for a little bit. Which you hate to see. Which, like, yeah, you, you get out on your toes, you're just going to be thrown off balance. He gets out on that, trying to trying to go for that kill shot because when guys do that, it's usually to make up for a lack of physical tools. They know they don't have the strength uh, necessarily to uh, hold up to power if they do get rocked back, so they want to be on their toes so they can absorb that. But, yeah, that's Hennessy. I think he's solidly an early day three guy that – could potentially start right away for you. All right. Keith Ishmael of San Diego State Center. I think he, he was there also there at the Senior Bowl. I thought he looked pretty good. Him and Nick Harris, are, uh, I think, both looked good, even though they did lose some reps to some bigger dudes. Yeah, he did lose. Jeez, he did do well at Senior Bowl. He graded out the best of any center, uh, I believe, in attendance or tied, actually tied, actually, Lloyd Cushenberry for the highest win rate of any center in attendance during the week. Uh, he's not as big as Lloyd Cushenberry, not a power player by any means. I just worry about his athleticism. He was really kind of limited, it mm-hmm. seemed like, out in space for San Diego State. But uh, Go Aztecs. Yeah, but like a day three guy. This is We're kind of hitting the point where I'm not loving these prospects down yeah. here at the bottom of this list. Well, what about your guy, Kevin Dotson? You said he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to get drafted. I didn't mean I love him. He, he is strong dude. He's going to be 24 as a rookie, though. Oh, man. Uh, old dude as well. Uh, and he plays so high in his pass sets and didn't really get exposed, but they just like they ran way more than they even passed at Louisiana this past year. Like they didn't they didn't have a ton of pass sets for him to even get, you know, sort of one on one reps on. So I think if it, if that were the case, if it gets to the NFL, it's he's not going to. He's going to have issues and pass for that needs to be fixed. Moving to the bottom of the barrel here, that's in the uh, 2020 NFL Draft Guide that will be updated on Monday. Shane Lemieux and Zach Shackelford, both of these guys, day three products that you know not necessarily yeah. ton to, ton to fall in love with, really. No, yeah, I mean both just like you're getting to this point, it's just serious pass protection issues. Whether it's uh, like Shackelford is just soft up the middle, got just bullied back into QB a lot. Uh, and then Lemieux was just stiff, man. The du- dude wears a neck roll, which you got to love. Okay, that's, I, I'm moving him up the board you now. Flip, you flip on the Auburn tape, very first play of the game, he goes for a head slap on the defensive tackles, just right into a helmet, <laughs> like immediately on the screen. Like, offensive line coach is like day one guy after seeing that one play. But now there's, again, like in pass protection, just he doesn't have that. Like, it just is stiff. So that, that's not great. And then getting down to the bottom here, we got actually two two Clemson guys in Tremaine Ancrum and John Simpson that probably actually don't necessarily belong in this group. Both are very much draftable prospects. Simpson is your classic powerful phone booth guard who ask him to do anything outside of phone booth. And it's not, it's, you don't want him doing anything mm-hmm. outside of phone booth. It, Athletic game, interior defense lineman will beat this dude to a pull. Yeah, and that, the guys that can win on their first step and win with their hands early. John Simpson's not their guy, but guys who want to bull rush him aren't going to have a ton of success. Yes, uh, very much so. And you saw at the senior bowl, he had some, the Kinlaw yeah. rep is the one that comes to mind. He yeah. got and Marlon Davidson, I think, had him beat a, on, on yes, one of those reps. Much. I think uh, Simpson, like like I said, uh, guys who have that great first step, guys that can really win at the line of scrimmage with their hands, Simpson's going to have trouble with. And those are the best guys in the NFL. Yeah. So that's going to be you know hard to project the next level. Ankrum, I, I, he played tackle, right tackle at Clemson, Tremaine Ankrum. Uh, he has 
he's just not super powerful. Like he's just, if you kick him into guard, I'm not sure it's, it's going to alleviate the issue that he's undersized. I think he's like six, three doesn't have like, can't not going to stay a tackle in the NFL, but he's not a super powerful guy, not a people mover by any means. So kind of a back end of the roster depth sort of play it there at the beginning. Solomon Kinley, Georgia guard. I never was a fan of this guy. Like he just, he slips off a ton of blocks. He plays on a, he had some hype early in the season though. Yeah. Like he's, uh, he's like 330, and he kind of gets by on that at the college level where he can just lean on guys, but he's not a people mover by any means. Uh, kind of sloppy with his feet, too. Like, I'm not I, I, I'm not taking him till 6th, 7th round type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott France, I, I, the Kansas State offensive tackle, if you heard the name before, it's probably because he came out as the first openly gay football player uh, in college football. Um, he's borderline draftable though played tackle so he started at left tackle o- over dalton reisner or i mm-hmm. guess dalton reisner was right tackle and then france came in they didn't kick reisner over the left side they kept him on the right and france was good enough at the left tackle but grading profile wise he peaked as like a, a sophomore mm-hmm. it's gotten worse over the past two years in terms of pass protection again he hasn't made the necessary adjustments and he really is play strength wise borderline if he even makes a roster in the NFL, but we include him in the guide. And Daryl Williams, another guy who's, man, he struggled. Mississippi State Center, played guard last year, so athletic. Like, behind Nick Harris, he might be the most athletic offensive lineman in this draft class. The so Washington Center, Daryl Williams might be the most athletic interior offensive lineman. Just soft, though. Like, he, any guy with any sort of strength just demolished him. And so, you love the movement skills, but I don't know... Like, I don't know, you fix play strength. I yeah. don't know if that ends up getting any better at this stage. Yep. All right, man. Well, that's going to do it for the Friday edition of 2 for 1 Drafts. The, well, next week on Monday, we're going to have a podcast for you guys. And then all week, we might be recording one Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. ton of good content coming out while we're in Indianapolis for the Combine. Make sure to tune into that. We'll be posting them to YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. 2 for 1 Drafts is there. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. But again, this is it. Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts.